I'm Kelly Burley, and this is Common Bonds Radio. For episode 14 of our podcast, we welcome Brittany Atwood, lead animal control officer for the city of Catoosa, Oklahoma. Brittany was born in Texas, but has spent most of her life in Catoosa, which is located on the far east side of Tulsa. Aside from her experience working with several veterinarians and her personal interest in saving animals, this is Brittany's first experience with a city-run shelter. And since starting in January of this year, She has had to adapt to a rapidly changing work environment brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Man, I tell you, it impacted us in ways I didn't think it was going to, honestly. You know, our budget was bare minimum anyway. Um, We are running out of an old building we are running on an old vehicle so you know we were kind of already under budget to begin with but you know when COVID hit we had to close down for a month and not having any adoption fees come in not having any donations come in it really just it hit us a lot harder than I think anybody was really expecting Um, we were able to take dogs to the vet and get at least the first round of shots and a rabies shot and a wormer for them before they were adopted out. Um, and now it's gotten to the point where we, um, we, we take them to get rabies shots, but we've had to start pushing them out towards Tulsa SPCA's um, vaccination clinics. We've had to start really getting people out into more, you know, budget friendly options for that. Um, it's, it's taken a hit, you know, we don't get as many donations now because people are afraid to come out. So our dog supply, our dog food supply has been whittling. Um, we've had an actual increase of cat intake, which has been weird. I don't know if that's with COVID or just with what's going on in Catusa, but you know, um, as far as being able to make sure that we're stocked up on things like kitty litter and dog food and cat food, it just, you know, on top of the vaccinations has just really, it's really taken a hit to us. And we are to the point where we are begging for donations almost religiously, which is not something that I wanted to, you know, have to base our practice on. But, you know, at this point, that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at with it. Hey, so how, how has that impacted uh, your ability to handle calls and, and just that sort of thing? Are you having to kind of uh, pull back on your, your hours of service, that sort of thing? Uh, we did, actually. The month that we were closed down, we actually did not have the building open at all. We weren't really taking calls. We weren't really doing anything. Um and now it's got to, we're back to our normal hours of 10 to 5. Um, but, you know, with people not working or, you know, they they have a job still, they're one of the essential workers, it's, 
it's been weird for us because now a lot of our adoptions and a lot of our, you know, needing to get dogs in is happening on the weekend just because, you know, people aren't really knowing what our hours of operation are because it has changed so much with so many different places. We got lucky enough that we were able to go back to our actual operation hours. But, you know, now I'm down to one person, which is just me, because my partner, you know, she was pregnant. So we had to take extra precautions with her. Um, and she didn't get to go out on as many calls. And there was a lot of times that we told her that she just shouldn't come in at all just because we wanted to play it safe for her. And now that she has a newborn, I'm, I'm the only one here. And so, you know, I get many calls a day of strays or, you know, there's this hurt dog, there's this sick dog, there's this injured dog. And it's, it's now up to me to kind of pick up the slack of two people and try and, and juggle it the best that I can. Are you, uh, are, are you able to engage any volunteers in, in that work right now? Or is that, has that been a problem too? We actually have two volunteers um, that have stepped up to help me as much as they can. Um, we have one who has been working with us for quite a while. She actually does a lot. She takes a lot of our cats um, and gets them networked out into rescues and whatnot. Um, and then I have another one who's actually a really good friend of mine. And she she's worked in multiple vets offices. So, you know, I told... I told my superiors, you know, I, I would like to get her on as a volunteer, and luckily they agreed to it. So she's been able to come up and help, you know, take care of the dogs and help take care of the cats. And if I have a call of a dog that's loose, she's able to go with me most of the time to help give me somebody else to, you know, possibly corner the dog if it needs to be or, you know, help coax it out. Um but other than that, we really don't, we're not really looking at getting any more volunteers in just because we're trying to keep the level of contact with, you know, the community to a minimal. At the same time that you're, you know, dealing with your own limitations in terms of your capacity, uh, there's this growing concern that we're going to see a wave of, um, uh, of evictions this fall. Uh, and that's going to impact, you know, people you know, who own pets. And I'm wondering, do you see that as a potential problem for you guys in terms of more people that are going to be dropping off their dogs and cats because they're, they're evicted and they have no place to turn? You know, unfortunately the problem is that we don't take owner surrenders because we are, we are a small, small facility. I'm able to hold seven dogs comfortably and maybe four or five cats. And right now I'm sitting at eight cats and I just so happened to get lucky enough to get under four dogs. I was sitting at like 13. So, you know, we don't take owner surrenders, but my, my fear is, is that this fall, it's not going to be so much that people are trying to drop off their animals. I just have a fear because our community knows we don't do owner surrenders. I have a fear of people being evicted and leaving their animals and us having to go in and take care of these animals and not having the facility to do that properly to give them adequate, you know, attention or adequate medical attention, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I think our biggest fear at this point with fall coming up, especially with kids, you know, some kids going back to school and 
you know, businesses are starting to open back up. I have a feeling that a lot of these adoptions that we were lucky enough to do through all this may fall through because people are going to try and get back to normal and, you know, bless their hearts. They want to do the right thing and get a dog or cat out of a shelter. But, you know, when real life comes around, are they truly prepared for it? You know, that's been our biggest thing when we've been uh, vetting applications is because we, we want to make sure that, you know, we already have to deal with the strays and the ones that get left behind. We don't want to have to start bringing in animals that, you know, had been sitting in our shelter for two months anyway. Right. So yeah. it's just, it's, it's more of a fear of people abandoning their animals right. instead of, you know, just the owner surrenders. Do you, so on those owner surrenders, um, do you refer those cases to another, you know, partner organization nearby or how does that work? Well, that's kind of where it's tricky. Sometimes we try, if, if it's for a legitimate reason, if we have the open facilities for it, sometimes we'll take them just because we have a feeling the people will go off and dump them anyway instead of actually taking our suggestions. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of it for us is we try and tell them to call like talk or called the Tulsa SPCA because they are a bigger facility. So they are able to house more animals. And, you know, there's, there's times where people walk out our doors and we're more worried about the fact that they're going to show up at our door in the next two days because they're just going to drive somewhere and kick them out. Um, then, then them actually following up with some of our suggestions because, you know, sometimes we, the ones that we've talked to have been, I mean, full to capacity. I don't know for how long, but, you know, they're turning away people left and right just as quick as we're turning away people left and right. And it just, you know, that causes a problem for us because if we turn people away or they don't take our suggestion of going to another shelter or calling a rescue or, you know, whatever the case may be for that dog, it's, it's like, you know, they dump them and then they move out of city limits. Then we're still stuck with them in a facility that's not able to take them. So we may recommend all day long where to take them. It's just a matter of if people are actually going to do it or not. If there was one thing that you could, you know, if you could communicate to your community right now of, residents what what's the one thing that you you could tell that you would tell them that in terms of how they could help you right now vaccinate and spay and neuter honestly that's the biggest thing we have so many feral cat colonies because people get cats and then they run outside and then they don't go look for them and they breed and then we end up with gobs of kittens or we have pregnant mamas that show up i mean if if they were to just spay and neuter it I mean, it would just, it would make a world of difference because we wouldn't have so many excess animals here. Um, you know, our, our competing, not competing, our, our shelters that we work with close, our rescues that we work with close wouldn't be, you know, over, over budget and over their overhead because we wouldn't have to worry about so many baby animals because, you know, the reality is you call any of us, and 99.9% of the time, we are all animal lovers. We are in this business because we love animals. So 
I may only be able to house seven dogs comfortably, but if I get a mama dog that's been astray for, you know, two months and she's pregnant and about to pop, I'm not going to tell them no. I'm going to take her in and try and figure out a place to put her, whether it be, you know, a, a room that I have that's just not prepared to have dogs in it, or if it's I'm calling rescues, begging them just to take her because, you know, we don't we don't want to see the animals suffer. And the biggest problem that we've seen is all these unaltered animals reproducing at rates that we can't keep up with. And, you know, the vaccinations is another big one because I don't know how many times we've had to go on cat intake hold in just eight months because we get a cat in that hasn't been vaccinated. And there's a disease that will run rampant and kill all of the cats that we have. So we've been having to be very careful about the cats we take in and where we place them and who comes in contact with them and how we go about our procedures. And so if if there was anything that I could get through to anybody, it would just be to spay or neuter your cat or dog or animal of any sort and just get them their, their vaccinations. It's the easiest thing in the world. And there's so much help out there for anybody, whether you are, you know, on a budget, whether you have the money to spend. I mean, there's so many people out there willing to help. I have one of my volunteers has paid for two or three spay or neuters of people who have reached out to her just because she knows that, if she doesn't help, then they probably won't, which gives them a higher possibility of going out and getting pregnant and having a whole litter of animals that, you know, in two or three years may be looking at the death penalty just because they were born. That's excellent advice. I hope uh, I hope that people will, you know, take heed. I, I pray they do. I mean, it's it's been it's scary for all of us right now in this in this situation because we're all working on limited budgets and we're at that point that, I mean, it happens every spring where we just get so overwhelmed with animals that everybody, you know, nobody wants to make the call to put an animal down to make more room, but you, you look at tall, look at, look at some of these bigger um, rescues that have three day stray holds and then have to put them down because they don't have the resources to build a bigger building or, they don't have enough people coming in to adopt their animals out. You know, my, my dream is one day that every shelter at some point will be free of animals. And will it happen? Probably not. But it's still a goal that I work towards. I mean, daily. It's, it's one of those that I get up every morning and when my feet hit the ground, this is it. This is my job. This is my life. This is what I live and breathe. And my job is to be a voice for these animals. And I think as a community, as a whole, as a country, if we would all just take just a few extra steps to protect our animals and to take care of our animals that we have, you know, we could be looking at shelters that are closing because we don't have these unwanted pregnancies and these unwanted litters. And, you know, we won't have to be looking at, uh, do I make the call to put this dog down because it's been here for three days and I need that kennel? Or, you know, can I can I hold out just a little bit longer? So I really hope that, you know, we, we really start taking a little bit of time to really start understanding that these animals need our help because they can't always ask for help. Uh, you know, it's, they don't have a voice like we do. 
Brittany Atwood is lead animal control officer for the city of Catoosa. As you consider ways to give back to your community, consider the gift of money and or time with your local shelter and help make a big difference for the animals in their care. I'm Kelly Burley. Common Bonds Radio is made possible by Common Bonds, a statewide collaboration seeking to end the needless euthanasia of cats and dogs in shelters by 2025. Its partners include the Kirkpatrick Foundation, the OSU College of Veterinary Medicine, and Norman Animal Welfare.